1: This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi,
0: I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors.
1: Hey, this is Nick Lutz from Ball Collector.
0: Hey, this is Melissa Bachman.
2: Oh, it is time once again for another ravishing episode of the Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast right here at 1600 Buck Slayer Place. We're in the Buckatorium, located in Sherrard, Illinois. It's a wonderful city, if you have never been. I'm the same from experience. I am Steve in Kurt's house. Thanks hey. for coming, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me, You're Kurt. killing these
1: intros lately. <sighs>
2: Murdering them. I'll tell you what, man, dude. That's what we do. You want to get right into this episode? Just... I just,
1: just want to smash the small talk and get right into the content.
2: That's what I want to do. We have Josh McDaniel on. This is going to be a great episode. He's awesome. His presence on social media is killing it. Him and his wife. You're going to enjoy this. Let's well, thank our sponsors not, real quick. Yes, Elite we,
1: Archery, HHA, Smith Custom Meats and Deer Processing, Scent, Scent, Scent Crusher. Crusher. Do not forget Steve, it. Steve's trying to talk long. I'm trying to get to the content on this episode. Hey, I'll tell you, you what. Let's get
2: right to the meat and taters. Go to DarkhorseLodge.org if you want to support veterans. Dork You can donate. It's a peaceful retreat for combat vets. If you're going to donate,
1: smile.amazon.com. You're not going to spend any more money. Working class bowhunter.com also. Um, see what I'm doing? Moving right along. Check out the store. New shirts, new goodies. All the podcasts are there. New videos. That's all we got. Enjoy the episode. We made it quick. Sometimes it gets too long. Cut out the meat. Here's the episode. We love you. Love it.
2: All right, so on the phone with us, we have Josh McDaniel. Everybody's wondering, but maybe not everybody, who in the world is Josh McDaniel?
0: What's going on, guys? Josh McDaniel here. There he is. Yeah, hey, uh, yeah, just a good old boy from small town USA, man. Uh, Grew up in a little redneck town uh, here in southern Indiana. Graduated about 50 in my class, so you can imagine we didn't have a whole lot. (laughs) going on in this little town
1: <laughs> <laughs> bow hunting and uh what else beer guess, drinking man <laughs> yeah and
0: beer uh, drinking. in sports man that's about it you know you get the, get the occasional mudding trucks on the weekend and uh that's about it
1: super relatable i would think to most of our listeners we uh that's charard the town we're in Sherrard, illinois is probably about the same same exact right way. yeah except golf carts <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> right not nice Definitely. Um, well, first of all, you're at your bow shop. So let's talk about your bow shop just to start off with.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been a long day. I tell you what, we just, uh, we've just we been here about two months now. Uh, we've been living out in Kansas the last couple of years. And uh, I actually helped my uh, good friend of mine start this shop about 10, 12 years ago. And uh, it's been through a handful of owners since then. But um, we moved back and we had the opportunity to buy the place, got a heck of a deal on it. And uh, I've been an archery tech shoot ever since high school and work in retail, and I've always wanted my own shop, but as you guys know, dealerships and all that stuff, you got to be kind of, it's like a mileage deal, you can't just open up a uh, boat shop and have any dealerships you want, right. so I always felt like for me to do it full time and do it the way I want to do it, I needed to have the dealerships, and, and then uh, my neck of the woods, <clears throat> there's been a couple old boys that have been around for years, and they've got them all tied up, and uh, I moved away, and one of the, the shop that I helped start, they actually, uh, one of the shops, a guy retired, and this shop picked him up, and next thing I know here I am and like we're slowly trying to work our uh, work our way in here from moving back to Kansas, buying a new house and then uh, trying to start this shop and give it our own feel, kind of giving it a, a new fresh start, you know. Oh, right, kinda, right. It's been busy, needless to say.
1: <laughs> is it Well, that, that's good though? Is it is it tough trying to do that every day or is it do you find it more easy doing your passion and what you love?
0: Oh, dude, that's and that's what I've always I've always been that guy, man. I've always I rather do something that I love to do. And, uh, and get paid maybe a little less and uh, and be passionate about it and it's not work when you love it that much right. so yeah like right now it's all good problems it's just getting everything switched over you know paperwork it was actually you know the previous owner owned it so uh, getting it all stuff you know, got a new name for the shop and stuff so we had to switch all that over insurance all you know just a bunch of headache stuff oh that, yeah uh,
2: yeah you got to get the government you know, involved and they gotta oh, get yeah it, they they got to get a bit of the profit because taxation ain't theft
0: <laughs> right right <laughs> yep so I mean it's it's been fun, but at the same time, and plus we're trying to give it a whole new makeover. It you know it's it, it looked like a bow shop before, but we're trying to get a little bit more professional feel to it. So right. yeah, just trying to trying to like resap it into the new era, if you know what I mean. Yeah,
2: and you know I I think that's a um, a huge thing with uh, a lot of archery shops that are opening because you you do have the it's the change into the guard. You it's know, like you the have-
1: Bass Pro effect.
2: Yeah, right, you, right, right. You have a lot of these old guys, you know, in old school ways, and yeah, they could set up some of these new bows, but when you start having, you know, all the, you know, you start introducing all the accessories, you know, the lens kits, the long stabilizers, all this new stuff that these guys want, and having someone who is hip to the game now is really important. And I'm not, and I'm not putting out, I'm not saying that some sure. of these older guys can't set up a bow well but the way that technology moves so fast right. it's almost like mechanics you know they they say mechanics are basically the the difference between mechanics and doctors is that a new body isn't built once a year right you know so there's i never heard that yeah hey, you've never <laughs> dude, heard that oh yeah. dude, talked dude, you talked to mechanics mean, long enough
0: <laughs> dude you hit the nail i mean perfect that and that's and that's what happens a lot with what i do it's not that i know that much more it's just i'm so much more in tune with the new technology that a lot of these
2: uh-huh.
0: you know you guys all got that dad or that grandpa that just does not want to be told anything new and that's how you know and that's a lot of how these old Bo techs are they've done stuff for shoot 20 30 years and they're not going to change nothing and uh due with technology now there's so many easier ways to do things so many more efficient ways of getting stuff done right especially these new bows and technology yeah. them are crazy compared to what they used to be for sure so if you don't know some of these boats shoot phenomenal, but if a couple little things go out of whack on them and you don't know how to work on them, then uh the boat's never gonna shoot its full capacity, you know, so
1: absolutely yeah, well, not to dimensionally, like, you're saying you're kind of revamping it and bringing the looks above it like what i what I said when I said like the best pro shop like effect of it is there's some old shops in our area You walk in it's like dull and like it almost feels like a goodwill of archery shops. <laughs> and then like, right, right like when you walk into an archery shop, you want to see like Mounts and just cool stuff up, and like it's, it seems like a place you could trust to leave your bow there and get you know, there you exactly. are. Josh is smiling behind the counter, big, handsome man. Here you go, tune my bow up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not some like grouchy old guy. Yeah, as
2: soon as you ask him about hey, can you get new cams, and all of a sudden he's telling you about how he fought in Korea with both eyes <laughs> closed. Like, what dude, what hold on, man? I didn't, uh, I didn't ask you about that, man. I just want you to put a new uh, energy cam on my bow, man. I, I don't, <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> It's right on
1: weird reference, but Steve, I loved it. I don't know.
0: No, <laughs> you no, know It I mean? was good. I like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: because you guys know what I'm talking about. But
2: you know, here's the thing. I mean, technology is starting to move at a pace where it's really hard to keep up. And and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put you out here, Josh, by any means. Right. But There's gonna be a point where there's gonna be a lot more technology, and you're gonna look and you're like, dude, I don't even know about that because. <laughs> as rapid as things go, it's just. He's willing to learn, though. Yeah, he's yeah. adaptable. You but know? you are willing to learn, and that and that's a thing. But it's just, it, it's interesting and good at the same time. But for a guy, you know, you're trying to stock the shelves, and all of a sudden everyone's like, well, I want this new technology. It's like, but you got to buy this first, you know, because I got this on the shelf. And it's just, it's a its, no, a no, cat, no. it's a cat and mouse game, it seems like, you know? No, you're, you know,
0: I mean, you're exactly right. It's funny you say that because. Um, I kind of took away or took a step back from uh, the bo- being a Bowtech the last uh, couple years. I went and we moved out to Kansas, and um, we we're out in the middle of nowhere out there hunting hard, hunting like crazy. And I came back and started getting back into things, and I thought, holy crap, things have changed so much just in two years. It took me just a month just to figure out some of this new stuff. It was pretty crazy.
1: Well, I can imagine. Well, new, Like Steve said, new model every year, new something, something new, new roller guard, new this, new... Whatever it's different ways to tune things and different styles of sights and rests and the whole shebang, man. It's got to be hard to keep up with.
0: Oh, it is, man. It is.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Steve. So,
2: uh, now, where, where, where is the shop located? Are you willing to release that information yet?
0: Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's in Linton, Indiana. It's uh, which is in Greene County, Indiana. We're like a southwest part of the state.
2: <clears throat> okay. So. so um, and what is, the, what is the shop name? I, I don't think uh, we...
0: Shooter's Archery.
2: Okay. Yep. Now, now, here's here's what I want to transition to. So you're in Indiana. Right. I don't know what it is about Indiana recently, but there's been a lot of guys out of Indiana starting to make a name for themselves. Well, not starting to, but you know, recently, you got Darren Christianberry, good buddy of ours. We did a podcast right. with him recently. And then you've got... You've got this character, T.J. Unger, who's representing Indiana. Uh, you know, what, what uh, what's going on with Indiana? Why are we all of a sudden hearing about this as... Well, that also,
1: and then in, like, the big buck news, you're starting to see a lot yeah. more out of Indiana, and big whitetails hitting the ground.
2: What is go- what is going on in Indiana? We need to know.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, man. It's It's been a sleeper state for years when it comes to big whitetails. Um, but then, of course, with TV and technology and stuff, uh, obviously with podcasts and... Social media—it's not so much of a sleeper state anymore. Uh, it started to slow down a little bit. Uh, shoot, back in the probably 2010, I mean, it was rocking. 2011, 12, then the EHD hit a little bit, and then uh, of course our DNR, which I—I I heard you guys talking uh, with TJ about that. <laughs> my brother from another mother. I love TJ Unger. Shout out to TJ. Great. Um, shout out to Liz
2: I, Unger too. No, we don't don't want to leave her. Oh out. yeah.
0: Oh yeah. They're they're awesome people. We man. follow each other um, on
2: Instagram. Just wanted to let you know.
0: Oh, do you? Oh, wow! Yeah,
2: me and Liz, yep.
0: Wow, that's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, our DNR, our management systems aren't quite as up to date, man. It's it's not to get too much into it. Like you said, you guys can kind of go back to some people can go back to listen to TJ. He was he was he was spot on with a lot of that. Our, uh, you know, with a lot of our insurance companies, kind of run our DNR, and they they have. Uh, other ideas they're they're looking at, and uh, it's really slowed down a little bit. But it's—I tell you what—as far as I've, you know, I lived out in Kansas the last couple of years, and that's a big buck paradise.
1: Right? Uh, there's some yeah.
0: giants out there, and I tell you what—genetically wise, there's just as good a deer around here in my neck of the woods as there is out there. It's just the management and the pressure is like night and day difference.
1: Really, um, in Kansas, why, yeah. why is that? I mean, I know with the new rifle implement stuff in Indiana and all that stuff yeah. going on.
0: Well, I'll tell you what—just to kind of give you a rundown, a little bit of what Kansas does. Uh, why I like Kansas so much is they're a one-buck state. They, um, their archery comes in, like, the middle of September, and, you know, their their rifle season doesn't come in until, like, December 4th time. Oh, so awesome. talking Yeah. Yeah, and it only lasts, like, 10 days. So you're talking way past the peak of the breeding for the most part. I mean, so you, some a of, lot of those big, mature bucks are wow. acting stupid, stupid. That's when Indiana comes in with their gun season, and then you're talking, like, 30-some straight days. So there's just no getting away from it. And then you're talking a lot more hunters. Uh, per square mile out here in indiana than you are in kansas so uh in in a lot of it uh i've talked about it before many people uh my biggest thing without in kansas seems like big mature deer just seem to walk during daylight so much more often uh, especially that time of the year in indiana i mean uh, you could do everything right to a t and weather's right everything you're going in for that one the perfect timing you're going in for it the kill and uh nothing happens and you know, two weeks later you go back and check the trail camera and that dude come he came by two hours after he left. Uh, there ain't nothing you could do about it when he comes comes through during dark, you know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well that's so, the thing,
1: like when I picture Kansas being from Illinois, I picture C R P open grasslands and like yeah. the timbers patchy. Um, and I don't yeah I, I can't speak for the entire state, but I'm the majority maybe is that fair to say, Josh?
0: Yeah, ma- yeah, majority, yeah, Where we were at we were in the northeast corner there. We weren't too far from Missouri and not too far from Nebraska, Kind of crept up in that little tight corner there okay uh, and it was it was a lot more like Missouri <clears throat> than it was your typical Kansas, a lot of big ridges and and drawls. Um, so do you think but, uh, that when you say
1: the deer move in daylight more, do you think that's because of the way their seasons designed, which to me sounds absolutely perfect. Um, yep, yep. I wish that, Illinois that, would do that as well.
0: Yeah, and see, you know, in, in Indiana, all these years, we've always talked about how Indiana or Illinois was so ahead of us, um, and we still we still feel that way. But in Kansas, was even better. Uh, and, and the biggest thing is, and not, and to kind of go back, bounce back to Indiana is the same way in Indiana. That's when we become really relevant. Is when we went from two bucks to one buck. Uh, it makes a oh. huge difference. And uh, and in, in Kansas is just still a one buck state. And it's huge because, I mean, we were all guilty of, especially growing up, uh, especially with Indiana, the way it was, you know, you get an archery buck or a firearms buck or, or both or whatever. And we've all waited to like the last week before the gun season comes in, the first Pope you young that walks by, two and a half, three and a half year old or whatever, you shot him that you normally wouldn't have burned your tag on if yeah. you only had one. And now, you know, when you only got one tag in the state, you're a little pickier with it. Um, and then you get older and, you know, more mature with it. And then you realize, oh man, you know, this is how it all works. But uh, in Kansas, you're the same way. I mean, you're very picky with that one tag that you get. And uh, sure. it's easy in, in Illinois. I mean, especially as a resident, you guys can kill a couple with a bow. Um,
1: yeah, well, you can and, kill two with a bow, one with a bow, one with a gun. And growing up, that was a thing. Like, you got – like just like what you said. Well, you can kill yep. a pretty good buck, and then for your second buck tag, hold out for a good one. Like, that was kind of like what yeah, I yep. heard growing up hunting, you know. And now my yep. I, my outlook's a little different, but – I would not be opposed to Illinois for, I mean, just five years or something. Cut us down to one buck. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that you're looking at us. Well, Indiana's looking at Illinois like, oh, that's awesome. And then Illinois is looking at Iowa like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yep. And then Iowa's probably looking at Kansas like, oh, that's awesome.
2: And Kansas out there is popping its collar. It's got two collars on. They're both popped. You know, it's bringing oh, back yeah. the '80s flair. <laughs> Jesus.
0: I mean, can you can you guys imagine if Iowa went to one buck? Oh, I mean, true. I do I mean, it'd be like with what they're already doing, and it'd then I think residents can kill up to three bucks. I think.
1: Oh, they can uh, in Iowa.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure a resident can. I mean, it's very rare. To, I think to, if you own three a, bucks. like
2: 40 plus acres, I think you can get like a landowner's tag. Yeah. I, I, yep. And our our it's, resident, our Iowa resident, I should say, Eric, is not here in the studio right. but he would be able to shed a little bit more light on that if Iowa yeah. went to 1 buck Iowa would be the go-to state I think.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, it would be it'd be cuz especially the way they do their non-resident situation. Yes. With with archery, I mean, could you yeah. imagine? Gosh. That's I, mean, a, I think Illinois should do.
1: That's too much money. Illinois is so broke right now that they're willing to get anything they can if they can get it through hunting, they're going to get it, man.
0: Right. I know, oh. and that's and Indiana's I mean, they just, their, their priorities are all messed up. It's like, who is running this show, really? It's just. Yeah. Well,
1: watch Illinois we'll have full rifle season. I guarantee it. With the shape we're in, we are going to have yeah. rifle season.
0: Yeah, and I hate that for you guys because, you know, and I hunt Illinois too. So, because I'm only about, shoot, I'm only about 30 minutes from Illinois. So, I do a little bit of hunting there. And I can only, I can only kill a, one with a bow and one with a gun as a non-resident. But, uh, man, that state would be, if you guys would just go to a one buck, it yeah. would be night and day different it would really bounce you guys back from a lot of that EHD you guys hit back yep. you know, what, you know, twelve and thirteen or whatever it was.
2: Yep. Yeah, and the uh, the thing with me and Kurt, you know, being here, I mean, we're only a twenty minute drive from moving to Iowa. The state right. that this shape is in, it it really bothers me that because politicians spend so much money that hunters have to take the the, the brunt of it, you know, there's gonna be people who want rifle season and you know, it just it, it doesn't make any sense. But the money's there. Plus, for anybody who didn't know, State Farm, the insurance company, their headquarters is in Illinois. So, oh, yeah, in Bloomington. So, if, why do you, you know us going to one bucks? Probably never going to change. Right. I, as yeah. as much as I, I you know, because the You're money's right. there for the DNR, but the money's lost there for the car insurance companies. And I get. I get it. It sucks that I do, but it just it, it, it is the way it is, man. And it's right. You know the 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 working man, the working bow hunter, the working class bow hunter, our listener listening base, who are always on the short end of the stick. You know, Illinois passed a bill. We have to pay more taxes, and now we're going to be well don't. lacking in deer herd. It's just why you know we always have to get
1: the brunt of it. It just it sucks. Let me throw something at you guys, and you tell me good idea or bad idea. All our right, listeners are probably going to disagree. I maybe they won't. What if Illinois for five years did one buck tag, but it was the price of two, for a resident? Ooh, like oh you, yeah! You just paid for two. You paid like it was two tags, but you get one for conservation and the quality of our herd. I think it would do us wonders.
2: That's a that's a fantastic idea. Yeah,
0: I mean that, that would. I mean, especially as a resident. Now, as a non-resident, it's like Illinois is one of the more expensive states for uh, for us, but. Um, so to jack it up for a non-resident,
1: that'd be tough. It would, yeah,
0: it, it would be tough. But I mean, if you're die-hard guys, I mean, it, we would—I would probably still do it. But for you guys, that would—yeah, that would be awesome for you guys. Because what do you guys pay? Like twenty some bucks for a—is it, is it up to thirty bucks for a resident tag now? Yeah, I think
1: uh, we buy them in a combination, so you get a, yeah, a either and sex and, yeah. and either sex, yeah, and it's like oh, I can't remember the exact number. It's right around thirty bucks with everything said and done. Worth
0: it depends on what deer
1: you shoot. <laughs> right,
0: and, I, and I, tr- truth be told, I bet you most of your diehard guys like you that's in the state would probably be for it if it would cut it down to one buck. That all right, we'll just pay the price of what two tags would be. Everybody's happy. Still, you're still making the money as if it was two tags, and um, and then it's gonna it's gonna make your deer head deer herd better and better quality.
1: I'd, yeah, for sure, definitely, I would do it. I mean, I don't know. If, well, that's something for the listeners. What I mean, there's
2: do? a. You know, it's like he was saying, there, it's a lot of money because I lived in Iowa for a year and I was like, well, I got some property in Illinois and I look back at like non-resident. It's, it's <laughs> expensive, but you can hunt it every year. So if you can budget for it, Illinois could be your spot, man. Your, your spot. Right. What would happen if Illinois went to a point system? Oh, do you wow. think that do you think that would be good? considering the state or the, the the state, the state that the states in as much money as they make from non-residents if they went to a point system where like a lot of other states go to? Right. I don't think that they would ever do that, but what do you think would happen if they did?
0: Oh god. I mean that's the best thing. I mean you guys you guys, I mean, I you know, years when I was growing up, Illinois was the state. I mean, it was uh, especially the western part of the state was awesome, um, and then, or I'm sorry, the eastern part of the state, which is right next next door to us, uh, was just awesome. And then it just slowly that was also a draw back then. You weren't guaranteed a non-resident archery tag; you had to put in for it, kind of like Kansas is. And uh, now it's still a draw, but it, I mean, there's always leftover. You can always wait to the last second and get you one right um and that really made a difference but i i'm like you guys I, they'll never go to it uh because i'll probably lose money over it but illinois has everything it needs um just as much as i mean it's way better looking than kansas and i've not been in a to- whole lot of iowa but i mean illinois just did a couple little things i mean they're right there with iowa if not better personally
1: for sure well yeah definitely is uh talking about kansas is your biggest buck from kansas
0: um, not mine. My wife's is actually. Uh, she killed a uh, a two hundred six out there in two thousand fourteen, and uh, that's a lot of why we moved out there. It was just I just love the. Uh, there's hardly any any pressure out there um, as far as archery goes, and you know in Indiana they kind of get back to that. You asked that question earlier. I never got got around to it, but that was one of the biggest things I loved about Kansas was the fact that. See in Indiana, you know it starts it's just starting to get good about that. You know what, third, fourth, fifth, and it's starting to rev up a little bit in November, and then by the seventh through the eleventh, it's rocking. That's like my five favorite time to hunt. Well, then all of a sudden, our gun season comes in around the fifteenth. So it's if you don't, if you passed up too many good bucks, then looking for that big one. Now you're all of a sudden in panic mode, and and you're because all the guns are flying, bucks are running everywhere they are starting to hide. But you know that Thanksgiving time, still the best time to kill a big, big mature buck. A lot of times, mm-hmm. well, you know, and at that point, you're starting to panic you might shoot something a little lesser than you really wanted to on well, kansas heck it's still rocking man i mean it's still you don't have to stress you know you can you can go for two weeks if the weather's bad for a week or two you still got two more i mean you got a whole month pretty much of pretty good bow hunting that you right. know they're still doing their natural thing and then all of a sudden december you know early december here comes the guns so you get a whole month of good bow hunting no matter what the weather's doing what's going on you're gonna eventually get a a stretch of three or four good days you could put together. In Indiana, you're not guaranteed that the first two weeks of November, and then all of a sudden here's the guns right. come firing. And, and I'm, not, I'm not against guns because, heck, some of the biggest deer I've killed, Indiana's been with a gun. Um, I'd much rather, we're 80, 85%, 80% uh, bow hunt most of the time. But if I get a big deer under, under my skin, I'll, I'm not afraid to get the muzzleloader out, you know, or shotgun or whatever. Oh, uh, the old but,
1: smoke pole. Yeah. For sure.
0: But, but uh, I get but what you're saying, you know,
1: though, for sure.
2: I really, yeah.
0: Do. It just makes a, it makes a huge difference when you know you're not you're not panicking a little bit uh, when you got another couple more weeks, two and a half more weeks of of, of pretty good bow hunting. You know yeah. you're going to hit if you're patient enough and you sit long enough. You put the time in. You know you're going to come across something. You're not guaranteed that in Indiana. I mean, there's been a lot of years I end up shooting lesser bucks later with a dang muzzle loader
1: than what <laughs> I passed
0: up with a bow <laughs> waiting for that big dude I've been waiting right. for, and then all of a sudden well, I- he get. You know he gets he gets he he gets acting stupid that first week of gun season because that's the worst time for these big mature bucks. they're acting flat out stupid, and then the the guy down the road off the you know two acre patch of woods out in the middle of a cornfield, you know shoots that dude, and then now you're 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 singing the blues. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'll tell
2: you what, it makes me it always makes me bitter every gun season. It's like, uh, and uh, maybe I shouldn't be. I'm just you know kind of ribbing a little bit, but yeah, you know you're out there. We're out there hanging stands in the dog heat of you know, July, <laughs> August. You know, we're, we're tuning our bows in, and, and, you know, we're getting ready to go, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're hunting a deer really hard, and then you start seeing, you know, some of these people who are sitting in heated blinds go out for a morning, three hours <laughs> into the hunt, blow that deer away that you've been looking at. You see him pose with that blaze orange, and, and
1: yeah, right there's something about it, yeah, yeah it, I, it, I, I follow you, Steve. We, we, we rib right? a lot,
2: but it's just like... Okay, man. Struggles of the bow hunter, man. That's what it is. Yeah, it is. It's it is. Every it's, it's part
0: time. of the game, man. It's just, once you learn to accept it, it's just part of the game. No, that's I will never
1: accept it ever in my life. <laughs> well, the cool thing in <laughs> Illinois is now, if you have a valid firearm uh, tag, you can bow hunt during gun season. So.
0: Yeah, I know that's pretty cool. That's that's cool. I'm I'm glad they went to that. Does Indiana allow that at all?
1: Can you bow hunt during firearm seasons?
0: Yeah, yeah, you can. Yep, there's only uh, there's one week now that they go to a, uh, I It's called it a dead week. It's in between the shotgun and muzzleloader. It's like five days. Used to you couldn't hunt at all in Indiana during that time. It kind of gave the deer a little bit of a break. Well, now you can bow hunt during that time period. But that's about oh, the cool. only only restriction. I mean, they, now we went to crossbows. We went to rifles now. Rifles, I'm still not uh, – again, man, I'm all about – I'm advocate, you know, getting people out there and hunting and stuff. But the rifles, to me, just open up more doors for poaching, Yeah, um, even, even more yep. than – that's what, where I'm really against it because it, it happens a lot now. I mean, when a conservation officer, you know, he hears some rumors of this and that, and he comes up on the guy, and he's got a, you know, a two forty three hole in it. And it's no <laughs> big deal. <laughs> Before right. that was obviously the evidence to uh, to put the guy away. Yeah, so there,
1: yeah, that is what's weird. A, it's a weird gray area that that allows there. Uh-huh.
2: What? Yeah. Now, Josh, what what's your personal opinion on uh, people who push deer? I know there's a a lot of guys who grew up on that, but as like yeah. a bow hunter, you know, where we're trying to catch these deer off guard. What what is your personal opinion on that i'm, I'm kind of curious
0: well i'll tell you what i grew up on a little bit myself like any you know hoosier we all grew up shotgun hunting oh, uh, yeah. kind of like what tj was saying you know in that podcast we all when we were younger that's what i mean there wasn't near as many deer back then either so shotgun hunting was the thing that's what you you look it was like christmas and um you know so we did a little bit of it growing up to be honest with you i thought it was you know i thought it was pretty unsafe uh but we did a lot of a lot of our buddies got together and did it in high school and stuff and we were stupid and we weren't real organized with it, but I seen a lot of situations that could have got dangerous and hairy real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like you know, in Indiana, when the guns it, we're talking right in the middle of the peak of the breeding season, and then guys are out there pushing, it's just a bad combination for these big deer. Right. Uh, you just can't, they can't get away, you know, for the most part. Um, so yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, it, it is what it is, man. I mean, it, like I said, I'm, I'm an advocate for everybody getting out there and hunting and, and enjoying the great outdoors, but. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea at all,
2: for sure. Yeah, I, I hate to put you in that tough spot, but I was kind of—I I wanted to pick your brain a little bit because you know it's—it—I'm it, uh, right there with you. I want people right. to experience the joy of killing a deer, but man, right. I, I think there's there is more to experience about you know you, you had a bad season, and then you focus on that deer, and you, you wonder why you didn't didn't kill it and then you know you set up some cameras you plant food plots you hang tree stands you scout you put it all together and make it happen i think there's a little bit more that you could experience there just a personal thing but you know instead of like all of a sudden here's a 206 running down the pass, you know you just blow it away you
0: know you know and and you're right and that's and that's you know i've kind of learned to accept it i guess and but there was a time man where i it would just like you touched on earlier, you're, you're, you've been out there all summer long, you've been putting all the time in, sweating your, your butt off, you're getting the pictures of that big dude, you've waited a couple years, and here he is, and you're putting all the game plan together, you're putting the pieces together, and then some, you know, some random guy one time of the year in his car hearts does a deer drive and <laughs> shoots him, and man, I've wanted, I've been so angry, but I, it's happened to me, that, that type scenario situation It's happened so often, I've just learned to, uh, just to let it go. It's part of it. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. But yeah, there was a time, man, that used to burn me so bad.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: would, you, would you be more angry if he was wearing walls instead of hearts?
1: <laughs> probably, yes. Probably. And, and, and smoking
0: a pack of cigarettes while he was doing yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Couldn't <laughs> spend
2: the extra money smoking palm Malls. Buy Marlboros oh, yeah. and some hearts, dude. Spend some money.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh, switching gears a little bit. Let's get a little more technical. And we're curious on how you utilize your trail cameras, especially in the summer months leading up to the early season months and hunting.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, uh, uh, man, a, I love trail cameras. It's been one of the greatest advancements probably over the years for me. Um, you know, it, it pretty much puts you out there 24 seven now and lets you scout all the time. Even when you're not out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's man, I love it. It's so this time of year is one of the best times to get your inventory. Uh, mineral sites, you know, we uh, I run a lot of mineral sites. I try to run like a mineral site for every forty acres to eighty acres, depending on what the terrain is, what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Huh, must and, be cool. Uh, and, and it really um,
1: <laughs> can't do it in I, Illinois.
0: I know, man, that sucks for you guys. And, and like I said, I got some ground over there, and it's pretty much it's pretty much bean fields. You got to wait till they start coming out the bean fields, and then and and try to locate some. And you got to you got to use so many more cameras because heck, one hundred acre bean field, you might have to put four cameras on it to cover anything right here and in, in indiana and kansas i mean heck just one mineral site on that 40 80 acres will get just about everything you need to do if you got a good site going and uh, you really got a, and you've had you've had it over the last two years three years or whatever man you can get just about every buck in the area on it at least for uh most of july and august and then usually by first of september they dry up pretty good unless you're unless you're using um you know like some big time where you got some uh, corn and um, Attracting it or something they'll, right. they'll last on a little longer but as far as straight mineral it's like they know man once they start to turn hard horn a little bit they're uh, they're done with it
1: so you said per forty acres you run a mineral you do run one mineral site for every forty acres
0: yeah it said it, it kind of varies usually forty to 80 acres 80 acres tops I try to get at least mineral site on there because you get a you start you start creep you know uh, getting on the edge of some other deers um, areas and you might not get him on one camera but you get him on this other camera. And, uh, and just, like I said, just really more for inventory and you can get a feel of See what's he looking to look like. What's he, you know, is he, um, is he around? Is he still alive? Uh, what's he put on? And obviously just something to drool over <laughs> all yeah, the right. long, waiting for, waiting for season to come. It is something about those arrows that you shoot when you got a big slob that you're after every practice arrow you shoot just a little different. So when you got that b- big dude to back your brain.
2: <laughs> so, you know, because we can't, Put mineral out uh, in Illinois. I, I'm kind of curious. How, how do you figure out where you want to put mineral? I mean, do, do you pull it off uh, certain food? Like, so if you know there's a corner bean field here, are you going to say, all right, look, I'm, I'm for sure going to put it closer to where I know this trail is, maybe 40 yards off it? Or how, how, how do you decide where the mineral goes?
0: Uh, well, i exactly Well, I'll tell you what, the first thing I'm going to do is I want something that is going to be on the edge of where he's going to be at most of the time. Somewhere I can intrude just a little bit more, which is usually a field edge or not too far off a field edge, and I'm going to want to be um, so I'm just basically keeping on the edges, you know. And most of these deer, especially around here, they're used to farmers, so uh, a lot of the scent you leave out in the field doesn't bother them near as much as when you start, you know, you start uh, creeping in on their their home range or ter- their bedroom. Um, so I never, I never try to get in there too deep. Uh, if I get off the edge of a field somewhere, I'm usually just, you know. 30, 40 yards in just on a transition spot. Um, and I, and I, I'm almost to start somewhere, obviously, where it's a, a good spot in between food and bed or it's going to be right on the edge of their food. Um, like typically what I would, what a picture-perfect spot would be, you know, just an inside corner, you know, 20 yards off of an inside corner of a bean field where they're going to be out there anyway. And you might catch some deer out in the beans anyway uh, along with them coming to the mineral. And they're just going to swing by, hit it, and go on through doing what they normally do already. So, But, yeah, that's my number one rule is just to never get into their bedroom any because I don't want to – and I'm always going to check them and and, uh, check my cameras and uh, refreshing those with the wind in my favor. And usually going to be like in the middle of a hot, hot day uh, typically or a big rainstorm is coming through.
1: Right. How often when you have all these out and running, how often will you go in and check your cameras for – You
0: you know, I I like to – everybody's kind of different. Because I'm usually on the edges and typically I don't seem to get – the deer don't seem to bother them too much about every two weeks and that reason why i really do that is just because uh because of the heat of the summer a lot of times these cameras uh they'll mess up or uh, battery issues or whatever i've had some out in kansas where i've left them for a month or two and you came back and then the card filled up on something silly you know two weeks in and then the best growing period you didn't have a, a camera working so I, I like to do two weeks just more um to keep an eye on stuff and and uh, to make sure my camera's still working all right
2: so do you um ha- have you messed around with any of the, the cell phone cameras or anything or are you still kind of leery about that you no, know i tell you
0: what i've never tried with one and i've been waiting and waiting, waiting and waiting and i it's funny you guys <laughs> brought that up because i just went ahead and ordered uh i think I, the bushnell bushnell one's the one i actually ordered to try out I was looking at some different reviews on it i know the covert's got a an awesome review um i just don't know about the at&t service out there not sure yet on that but um and it's got a cell plan, but the, what I liked about the uh, the Bushnell was you don't have to deal with getting going through AT and T or anybody like that. They actually Bushnell does it, so you can do it for like two months and that's it, and then cut, oh, shut really? it down for, for the year. Yeah, so True. I was really <laughs> that was really intriguing, and it had a lot of good reviews and had some pretty cool pictures. So I'm actually getting ready to take it out in Kansas here because uh, we still got a uh, place out there we hunt, and I'm going to take it out there and and uh, leave it for for a month or so and, and see what see what's up. Uh, you.
2: This is this is behind the scenes, but I was looking at Kurt when you mentioned that Kurt's head popped up. Like, really? (laughs) You know, like like I've never seen him so intrigued
1: in anything. Yeah, I've always thought about getting a cellular cam, and but you always have to buy it with your plan. Yeah, and it's I don't know. Well, that and I see like Spartan cameras. I looked at my buddy uses those, and I've I've never used one, but he seems to like them. He's got three of them. He's like, yeah, they're decent price. Check them out. But oh yeah, it's linked through my. We yeah, have, I don't know, Sprint or whatever he has. And uh, right. it's nice to just have it on its own deal. Yeah. And, and yeah. Run those it for uh, two months, you know.
0: The the Realtree Boys, they've been running those uh, Spartans this year and they've they really liked them. Um, and I know a lot of the Virtue guys run the, the oh, the Coverts. Yeah. And I've heard nothing but great things about the Coverts. I just, I'm trying to, e- I'm like you guys, I'm just kind of easing my way into it. So it sounded like to me from the reviews, the Bushnell was the most dummy proof right out of the gates. So I figured I'll play with that one a little bit and see what the what the deal is and then maybe try some of these other ones.
1: What was, if you don't mind uh, me asking for our listeners if they're wanting to check out that Bushnell, what was the roughly the price range on, on those?
0: Uh, I think uh, retail on it's like $400. Um, of course, being in the shop, I get a little better deal on it. But it's, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you shop on – the thing is anymore, I mean, show cameras, like it's hard for me to even sell any show cameras in the shop because uh, you can catch some killer deals online. Right, um, right. and I can't even compete. The price, the, my cost, most of the time, these guys are beating it by twenty bucks. Um, Jeez. but so if you, so, if you get to shopping around online, man, you can find some good deals on stuff like that.
2: When you can't even be mad because you're on those websites too. Like, man, that's a great deal on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> is there something that you do with your cameras that is maybe something unique that no one else does?
0: Um, I tell you what, um, uh, I. I to kind of touch back on it, you know, early season or on the summer stuff, you know, I always like to definitely do the mineral, clean out everything around it, make sure you have nothing in front of it. Uh, I always like to face them um, north and south, try to keep from east and west to get the sun um, coming in. them. I mean, a lot of times, you know, some – you face east and west, you get a lot of the, you know, sun setting and rising and stuff like that, um, which could be a pain in the butt. And then um, – and then to kind of jump jump ahead, one of my favorite things to do that not everybody does, and um, to get the other big inventory, you want you want to be like a little bit more more recent MRI. Uh, and there, when it gets to about middle of October, towards the end of October, I start doing a bunch of if there's not already a bunch of good scrapes going, I'll start some mock scrapes, mm-hmm. and um, and that's what I'll do with my cameras there. And man, I'm telling you right now, you'll get when it gets to be about that about that time. A lot of times it'll be nighttime stuff, but it's still giving you inventory, it lets you know what's in the area. But you start getting that first of November and October and every buck around there is going to hit those those uh, those big scrapes, especially those big scrapes on the edge of the field. Um, you know, if there's any deer around there close, and a lot of times you'll get bucks that will never be back in there again, but it kind of right. gives you a, a pretty good inventory. Again, I mean I'm talking like 15 20 bucks when you get that perfect time of the year, again on just one camera sitting on a on a field edge on a big big scrape that they've been a community scrape, you know. Well, yeah, and inventory you. and hope, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well then i gotta ask you how do you do your mock scrapes in because that's something that I, I i used to do a lot when i started hunting and then i fell out of it completely i fell out of using any sort of lures or attractants at all and just went scentless completely and then now i'm starting to get back into like experimenting with that stuff a little bit so what in your opinion is the best way to make a mock uh, mock scrape
0: i tell you what uh, one of my favorite things to do is of course i don't like to touch it i've usually got gloves on um i Generally, I like to just reopen a big scrape uh, if I can find one on the field edge, and generally you can find one, but if I don't have one, I'll look for a good spot that I know it just looks like a just looks like a bucky kind of spot, and I'll open it up. I will usually I'll try to take a big limb or take a handsaw and cut off a, a decent-sized limb, and then I'll scrape it all out with that, get it just like a, a deer would, get you an overhanging branch. Again, you're using gloves. Um, I'm kind of breaking it over a little bit, not too much to where it's it's hanging in front of your camera. It's going to trigger it every time the wind blows. But um, and, and what I'll use is uh, there's different things out there, man. Usually, a lot of the different dominant buck stuff work pretty good. I think uh, there for a while, I used to use a Tinks dominant bucks. It was pretty good. Um, to be quite honest with you, um, <laughs> I'll, a lot of times I don't have anything. I'll just piss in a scrape, and um, and that's I, and I, I and I'm telling you what that actually has worked very well. And the funny story, not to kind of jump get off board. No, here. one. this time, is interesting because
1: I've always wondered. like heard of guys doing that, but never. I just, I don't know what to think about it.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I did it by mistake one time, and I was on a big <laughs> scrape line. I got to hear big, this story. <laughs> it was on a big four-wheeler trail that was just every year, like clockwork. By into end, end of October, dude, it will get scraped up like crazy, and uh, it's always at nighttime, but it always lets you know what's what's in the area, and um, and, I, and I run out of some of that uh, tink stuff that I had, and there, I got back, I don't know, I went about 100 yards from the truck, and I come across a a giant scrape that had been been hammered pretty good you could tell for the last week or so and i thought man i gotta get something on this and i had one camera left and uh i thought you know what and it was close to the truck so or like i said about 100 yards from the truck and it was an area that you know it, it gets a little bit of intrusion so i went to it was kind of an experimental thing so you know what? i'm gonna piss in this thing so i scraped it all <laughs> out real good and I, I pissed in it good i ain't kidding you i had three shooters on that that night after i had done that when i checked that camera and really? i've been doing it I've been doing it ever since, man, and, and it's not affected anything at all. I, I still get just as many pictures if I'm using the tinks or if I'm pissing at them. Well, here's no the thing. No way, man. Okay, but here's that. the thing. It's right.
2: crazy. Hold on. Hold I, on. I, I, I'll shed some light to this. I right. know exactly why it is, Josh, because uh, I've looked at your Instagram, your, your wife's more, but yours a little bit, <laughs> and you were a... Pretty in shape guy, so you've got a lot of testosterone flowing through. You don't put a lot of bad things in your body. You yourself are a dominant buck. That's why. If I pee in the scrape, deer walk by laughing at it, saying, yeah, he ain't going to put up a fight. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's, it, yeah, that that must be what it is, man. It's got to be.
2: <laughs> I wonder if there's any truth to that. I'm, we're not going to touch on that. Yeah, you just wait to take just take it right down and make it weird. Oh yeah, <laughs> it <a had> to. <laughs> no, because you know what? I, I I wanted to soften the blow for when I made it even more weird. I want to know.
0: Ooh, careful!
2: What is the weirdest thing you've ever had on trail camera?
0: Oh, the weirdest thing on trail camera? Huh. I, you know, I've not really had a whole lot of weird stuff. I haven't either, man.
1: That's a, that's a, that'd be a tough question for me. I've never really got anything weird.
0: Yeah. Really? No, I mean, I'm waiting for the day. It's, it's just a matter of time. I'm going to get something pretty crazy on there. But, is. um, uh, you know, other than like back in the day, obviously before Bobcats were like thick around here, you know, you kind of spooky growing up thinking, you know, Bobcats around here when people told you they weren't, but now they're thick and it's pretty regular. But, um, yeah, dude, we don't really get a whole lot of weird stuff. <laughs>
1: huh. Right. Midwest is kind of boring. I, I've got yeah. a house cat, and that was kind of really that's weird. That's not weird at all, man. House cats are <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, but <laughs> when it has a collar on
2: it, like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, when you hunt, <laughs> when you,
1: uh, I just can't
2: even talk to you anymore. Back no, to Josh. all right. All right. No, let's hear it. So,
1: <laughs> so, peeing in your scrapes, man, you you never notice that makes a difference. I've always been told to just don't pee out there. Like, I always held my pee, didn't pee out in really? the woods or my stand. like... And
0: Dude, ever since crazy. that, ever I, mean, I used to be the same way, I man. I grew up taking a freaking water bottle or a pop bottle with me and pissing in it all the time. And now, I'll piss out the stand all day long. I don't care. After, after uh, and I've been doing this for the mock scrape, pissing in them. And like I said, if, if I got the scent stuff, I'll put some of it in. I, I'm always experimenting, but I'm telling you right now, some of the biggest, more mature bucks I've ever gotten pictures of have been when I pissed in them.
1: What's your theory behind it, man? Like, what what do you think?
0: (laughs) What's your theory
2: behind your golden piss?
0: I just, I think a lot of it is, it's just that time of the year. Man, they're just that revved up. Anything, anything that even resembles, um, uh, if anything like that. You know, a lot of it's visual. They see it, they come to it, and then they smell some kind of urine base. I think it's all, you know, you hear a lot of theories. I've read a lot of things, and a lot of people say that, um, and nothing's, ever said you never know for sure but uh, a lot of people say that we know our our piss doesn't smell any different to them than uh than a normal a deer so but i've uh yeah i mean I've, I've done it for a long time now and it's i've had no problem no difference um if anything sometimes like i said it seems like it spiked it but a lot of it i think is just because it's that time of year Interesting. but um and i and i've and I've, I've taught it on to other buddies and they've done it and they've seen the same thing so I'm gonna uh, try
1: it, man. I'm gonna try it, and I'll text you. I'll, I'll hopefully text you trail cam pictures of just a 200 inch or just face full of my piss. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <Yep>. <laughs> now, now, again, I don't, I don't like to do, um, and a lot of these to kind of touch on too. I don't always put them right by the stand. You know, a lot right. of these are these big, these big fields or uh, places like that that they're gonna spend a lot of time at nighttime anyway. Um, you know, so. I've not tried it a ton right by my stands.
1: Right. Right. Understand. Um,
0: I still, I still always have an, cause like you said, I mean, I, I grew up the same way. Like, dude, it's a no no. You don't do that. So there's times I'm still kind of skeptic about it. So it ain't like I try to, um, I don't want to piss it. at my stand. Yeah. And I don't want to piss at my stand. and I don't want to do things like that. But the times that I have, I mean, it's made no difference at all. Right. Right. Well, okay, that's, okay. that's interesting to hear. Too, so.
2: Let me let me bring this in. Uh, let me play devil's advocate uh, for our female listeners. Do you think it would be any different if a female did it, just out of, out know, of the
0: blue? I don't think so. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. Uh, but you never know. Maybe, maybe we're onto something there. <laughs> I, <that one. laughs> because I'm kind of
2: curious because you know they they always say you know that the don't estrus urine is yeah, but
1: humans do not go into estrus. But <laughs> yep. that'd be awful but, if they <laughs> why?
2: But, 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 okay, yeah, so, so we cancel that out. So, why do Bucks smell that urine? Is it because testosterone might be flowing through it? I think that's
1: a good possibility, man. Is, is that could, probably why? It sounds weird, but I think it's possible.
0: It's possible, man. I, I don't, I've not figured it out yet, but I know that it, it works, and that's all. I keep doing it for sure. Well, so,
2: are you starting your own in your bow shop? It's just, you got a cooler full, and it's just Josh is special. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought about that.
0: I, I'm trying to come up with some cool marketing label to put, put on it now, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure you'd find something pretty easy on the internet that somebody's already done. That there's so many oh, things yeah. like that now. But <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, I want to switch gears. On, I want to quit Please talking do. about piss. Please do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> so, uh, what I want to talk about is you've been on some big deer. You know what you're doing. You've you experiment with things what what do you do do you do anything unique with your stand setup so you do use any sort of mobile setup um kind of how do you stay on your toes during a rut when you kind of got to be oh you had to be over there all of a sudden or the deer you're moving this way and you have to make a quick adjustment is there anything unique
0: uh you know th- at, at the end of the day man the one thing that makes us uh, it makes us effective is just we grind it out man You just very very persistent you try to be as disciplined as you can keep the wind in your face um, access, uh, and when, especially during rut, you gotta be, um, you, you just gotta be very persistent. At that point, you've hunted so much and as many, the more hours you log, uh, sooner or later, you're going to trip. I always call it trip over one. I mean, it's just a matter of time. You put the time in and when most people were giving up and most people are over it, you are still grinding it out and sitting out there. Sooner or later, you're going to, um, trip over one. Now, earlier in the year, you know, I, I like to be very non-aggressive. Um, sometimes, you know i I like to start my way out and move our way in especially a lot of times a lot of times we're sitting in observation stands but we're sitting in a spot we could we could easily kill a mature deer but we're not intruding a whole lot and um and access has got to be dynamite most of the time now come rut we'll start to i'll start to after i've sit back and watched a lot or historically places have gotten you know i know that time of year i can dive off in there a little bit more i'll do it Mm -hmm. and and it's, it's really being very very disciplined our scent regimen we're always very very cautious of our scent which uh you know having a wife and filming her it's it's with all her smell good stuff it's tough the wind has to be perfect most of the time right but um <laughs> uh, you know and and playing the thermals and uh trying to try to stay and the other thing is too is a lot of times staying very disciplined to stay out of those those awesome spots uh till the time is right that's uh that's very hard to do um and waiting for those high pressure days and um uh, you know those perfect moments and, and dive in and, You know, a lot of times those big deer killed him the first time in. So right. I mean, it, it, really, the thing that really, really, uh, I feel like sometimes we stand out from other people is just the fact that we just we have no give up in us, man. We'll just grind it out and grind it out and grind it out.
1: For sure, man. I, I really admire that, and the fact that you brought that up because, you know, I'm working class. I hunt average property. I don't own my own, so I'm hunting another farmer's property that might be pressured by gun hunters when gun hunt season comes. So. A lot of the times I can't plant food plots or do all this, and my strategy is do my homework and grind it out. Like that's a lot of the times my only game plan I have to go off of.
0: That's right, brother. I mean that's that's what you gotta live by. That I mean I always live by this, dude. All it takes is thirty seconds. Um, I've, I've some of the biggest deer I've killed or my wife's killed. We've had some of the worst seasons leading up to that, and you just want to throw in the towel and you want to stick a fork in it for the year. And literally in thirty seconds, your season can go from the worst to the best ever and if you have that mentality more often than not then uh, you're sooner or later it's going to pay off and and once you do it a couple times and you and you have that mentality then it's, at that point you're just you're going with it you just know you're better veteran at that point you know okay i've been here before just grind it out it's, you know sooner or later uh, lockdowns going to switch or that big dude's going to come back through here or whatever
2: you mm-hmm. know for sure man yeah the any given sunday mentality you'd never know what could happen
0: Right, you just don't, man. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, like that that year that uh, Curly that that 206 Kristen shot in Kansas, man, we were having a terrible season up to that point. Um, Indiana was just like ghost town, and uh, we actually went out to Kansas about a week earlier than we normally would just because Indiana was that bad. And uh, boom, he strolled by at 15 yards, game over, you know, and it's just like, and you look back and you're going, holy crap, man, you're talking about, you know we're just looking for a four and a half year old deer at that point and then next thing you know a deer of a lifetime walks by didn't uh, kind of
1: didn't her buck make the cover of uh uh North American whitetail and uh uh monster bucks
0: yes it did yep yeah that was uh yep that was pretty humbling i mean that was cool we, especially me growing up i was i've grown up a big North American whitetail fan and uh, obviously monster bucks fan and to to have that yet yeah, and at the time i think it was It was the it was the second ever. It was only second time a woman had ever graced the cover, and then uh, at the time it was the biggest ever by a woman on professional TV with a bow. It's amazing. And then and then literally the next year a buddy of mine his wife shot the a bigger one. Um, It was pretty cool. But
2: what was that, Vicky?
0: uh, Vicky Vicky had shot the the biggest previous from what you know we had seen. Yeah, and then two oh
1: four right or two oh three. What was Vicky?
0: Two oh three, yeah, it was, uh, and it it had it held forever. I think like ten years, and then she shot that one was two oh six, and then uh, Greg Wendish and uh, Christine Wendish. Oh, okay, yeah, they were on adrenaline junkies back when we were on there. And the yeah. next year, she shot like a two fourteen gross. I think it was two eleven something. Like that. It was just a freaking giant. They're always on big deer out there in Kansas too. They got uh, they got some pretty good ground. They manage it pretty well. They're yeah. always they're always playing cat and mouse with big ones every year.
1: We'll have to get her on to tell her story about just taking that buck down, man. That had to have been incredible.
0: Oh, yeah. It was It uh, It was. It was pretty pretty surreal, man. It was definitely different. We knew the deer was there. Um, I'd found a shed that spring, and um, we knew what we were dealing with. And uh, we didn't get any velvet <laughs> pictures um, at all in the summer. And that was one of those situations I was talking about before. We, we left the camera out there for like, I don't know, a month and a half. And I, I ended up using a darn GoPro card. And not knowing it. it was a GoPro footage card, and because it was like a big 32 gigabyte card, thinking, "Oh man, this is going to be plenty big enough for that long." Not knowing that it had GoPro footage on it, and I got like uh, two weeks of pictures uh, and a couple giants on it. But it was it was um, late June; they weren't even quite developed all the way yet. And then I come back, and there was there was nothing after that, and I about <laughs> cried. <laughs>
1: Damn, that's yeah, that's what an awesome deer, man. I mean, how do you, what do you do after that? It, did she rub that in your face at all?
0: No, uh, you know she always kind of tells people. She does rub it in my face from time to time. Don't get me wrong, but she has you know, to. It was kinda, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of it, and uh, you know, and it just it just fuels your fire, man. It just makes you want to go out there. You do shoot something like that, and a lot of guys say, you know, that just ruins you forever. And and uh, it, it does it for us. I mean, it just it just makes you want to do it that much more. You know, <laughs> right. and you want to go out there and do it all over again and it's, it's it's an addiction you know yeah and um so you're, you're always looking and i'll tell you honestly be honest with you it's it's harder to find a big deer like that to me than it is to kill one um anymore it's just finding a deer that big and that caliber it's just hard to find yeah they so, don't
1: come around man you don't see deer like that uh, so
2: uh, what, what was her biggest day shooting that deer or marrying you
0: oh she'll tell you that deer for sure i'm sure <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry but, sorry bud well, I guess
2: I guess technically I mean, do you won you blame that. Her, though? I mean, shoot. Yeah, no, you won that in the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's at your house, right? So, it's right, pro- right. And probably her killing it was just like you killing it. You know, at the end of the day, man, you probably felt probably more excited for her, honestly. Oh
0: yeah, I tell you what, when I that was one of the cool things about getting her. Really, um, she's been she's been bow hunting now for about I think 11, 12 years now. So she's you know she's not at Ricky anymore. But I tell you what, it still gets me every time. Uh, you know, I can help her with everything, kind of coach her through stuff. And then when it gets to that last 10, 15 seconds, there ain't nothing I can do, man. And it drives me insane. Right. Cause I, cause I'm a control freak anyway. And I'm trying to control the whole situation at that point. It's up to her. And that, and I guess that's what gets me worked up still pretty good. Um, is the fact that I'm sitting right there and it's just like, and she's a lot more patient than I am, which she has to be a little bit more, you know, with, um, uh, being a woman and a little lower poundage and, and things like that, you, your shot placement has to be perfect. And, right. um, as in me, I might've, I might've shot him when he was at 25 yards, you know, you know, kind of, kind of slight quarter to just a pinch and you know, she's got to wait until he gets it, you know, 15 yards, perfectly quartered away or broadside. And I'm just like, freaked. I'm melting, you know, I'm over here like, Oh my God, he's going to, he's going to run at any time. He's going to smell us, you know, it's something like that, you know, especially with big <laughs> deer.
1: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. can't even imagine that feeling. Cause even when you, when you watch it on TV or just any big buck, like, that comes in on you you're like i gotta make yeah, this shoot shot. him now
0: shoot him now shoot him
1: now yeah, what cause, are you doing because i've you know you have deer come in like you said catch a swirl of wind and boom gone yep. and it's over with
0: right and it's easy to do whenever you're you're talking you've been sitting there for a month and a half every day with a bow in your hand waiting when you really think about it trying to get a big mature deer within bow range of your tree is tough and then all of a sudden you get one he's there and you're waiting for that perfect shot when you could have already shot him you know, you or I could have shot him already six times. That will drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So l- let, me, be
2: tough. let me ask you this. Uh, who paid for the taxidermy bill
0: on that buck? Oh, she did 100%. Uh, there you go. All right. I wasn't paying for that. Hey, she, <laughs> she's going
2: to brag about it. You better front the, the bills for it.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> that's I mean, I don't know about you, but if I kill the 200 inch deer, I'd be more than happy. I, I'll pay double just for the hell of it. Yeah, that. right. I'd make my old lady pay for it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, man, just the fact that she got it down, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Yeah. And you know, I've been doing it for a long, i mean, I know full grown men that have been doing it a long time would have crumbled. Um, oh yeah, I so, would have so I, no doubt. I was pretty, I was pretty proud. It was a proud husband moment. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a situation there that, you know, you just don't, you just don't get too often.
1: Definitely, man. Yeah, that's incredible. Definitely, we we got to get her on a got to tell her that she's automatically has to do a podcast to talk about it.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, she was. She loves to do podcasts too. So we can get her on anytime, man.
2: I promise we'll be the favorite podcast that she likes to block on Instagram. I promise Okay, that. perfect.
1: Perfect. <laughs> Mainly Steve. Yeah, so just me. It's like we did the podcast with TJ, and then it was like three three minutes in, and then he's hitting on his wife already somehow. And I'm like, come on, man. You didn't let him get warmed up yet. Can
2: anyone blame me is the question. <laughs>
0: oh, I, Liz, it didn't bother her one bit. You're probably all right there. She- <laughs> Liz... Liz is awesome.
2: <laughs> as soon as we got done, I didn't know she was in the room. Like we got done with the podcast, I look and I'm like looking. on It was probably ten minutes after Liz Unger followed you, and I I just started laughing. I was like, "That's awesome." <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I I love TJ to death, man. That guy is like one of my favorite human beings I met, and the greatest oh, yeah. is he, he's with Philip Vanderpool and Clint Swatch and Brandon Doherty.
0: That's a oh, yeah.
2: dynamite team, dude. I love them guys to death. Dude, th-
0: those guys are awesome. I mean, they're so genuine. I mean, yeah. you know, you, got, you guys have met a lot of these industry guys, and, and some of them are not. Especially, grew up fans of some of them. Uh, a lot of times, you'll be a little disappointed uh, once you meet them. Uh, but I tell you what, those guys they're as genuine as they come. They're the real deal. Uh, you, what you see is what you get. There's no surprise to those guys. I mean, they're they, they put their heart and soul into it, and they're very. Uh, they show they show their emotion. They're not afraid to show to to hide any of that, which I love. I love oh. what they what they what they bring to the table. Uh, we're actually doing some stuff with them this year, and uh, I I just love everything Philip and those guys are about. They do some awesome stuff. Good, yeah.
1: cannot wait. Yeah, we love that whole crew. That's the thing. Like, it's funny sometimes. I'll go back and listen to podcasts that we've done to see um, how annoying I am and what I can do to not be so annoying. You kind of like <laughs> critique myself in a way, but I found myself listening to TJ's episode twice just to listen to TJ talk because he's just such a good dude, and just I liked the episode so much where we talked about the emotion with Philip and his father's passing and that elk hunt that TJ was on. Man, just it was a tearjerker oh, yeah. for me.
0: Yeah, that, have you guys had, had you guys met TJ in person? We haven't. Yet. No, we have oh, not. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you guys gotta. I can't wait. You guys get a. Hang out with T.J. and Liz and those guys. I mean, they're they're just awesome people. They're like family to us. But going back to that elk hunt, um, man, that was that broke my heart for him because we've all been there. And I know he, yeah. he was really excited about that. And that was, but that's what those guys are—the at virtue. I mean, that's what I love about them. I mean, they they're not afraid to show that stuff. A lot of guys, a lot of shows are like, "Oh, that goes to the trash," and because they don't want to make themselves that vulnerable and put themselves out there like that. But I tell you what, man, that's what we do it, and that's why we love it. I mean, that that stuff, that raw emotion. Oh man, I almost you know I was I ain't gonna lie I was a little tearjerker for myself seeing him go through that. Oh yeah, uh, see I, when I brothers... see that
1: I put myself in that situation too. You know what I mean, right? Like, w- when I see him in that, I'm like, man, what if that happened to me? I'd be doing the same thing, dude.
2: You know what I did? I put myself in a situation where I, like I saw a giant bull elk and then I saw a calf, and I was like, I'll no, shoot that calf no, and leave. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. I, 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 we kid, but, but I appreciate
1: like, I appreciate the joke. But all right, you like it. Weird uh, timing,
2: but uh, but really, <laughs> um, the way that he explained it, how he's going to come out of it, and and you know, I was like, hey man, you know, because he said it was such an easy hunt to get to that point and shoot mm-hmm. that giant, and and he's like, you know what, the way that it didn't happen because it was so easy to get to that point, relatively. I mean, it's not it's never an easy thing. Don't don't get me wrong, but. He goes, you know, now I know the struggle that I have to go through. And I, I was like, dude, the next bowl that you're going to see in front of you is going to be even better because the struggle's there. So he's like, yeah. And that's that oh, was, yeah. That sold me on that dude. I was already yep. sold on him, but it was like, yes, right there. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's, I mean, dude, that's as, as much as you hate it, but he's going to learn so much more from that than if he would have if he would have smoked that dude and got behind as much as he wanted it and we all wanted it for him, uh, he's going to learn so much more from that. Uh, Obviously, just listening to him on the podcast, preparing for this next season or the next time he gets a chance to go out there, um, I mean, he's going to be so much more prepared mentally and physically uh, for those situations. He's going to put more – I guarantee he's probably putting in more time this summer shooting his bow and being more mentally prepared for those situations than he ever has his whole life. And it really takes – you know, you can sit in the backyard and shoot arrows all day but there's something about the real thing, man, that you just – you can't – people can tell you, but you just can't prepare for it till you've been there. And then you're just like, oh, I see now. And wow, you, you I, like I said before, I, I've seen grown men crumble like a little girl um, under pressure when, in those situations. Guys that are, you know, usually pretty good under pressure in most situations. Um, but when it comes to a, a big bull or a big buck or uh, a goblin bird right in your face, I've seen people just fall apart. Um, but that's what we do it. That's why we love it.
2: Yeah. need you um, get it, he, you know?
0: Yeah. But you got it. You got to do that a few times in person and in life situation, you know, really hunting and see that to ever learn from it. You just can't practice in the backyard a lot of times and, 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 and figure that out. You have to be in that moment to
1: Absolutely. get it. For
0: sure. And I just love, and I love how TJ just, you know, not being macho and, or just, the, you know, the guys, the virtue to not be too macho and let the ego get in the way and not show that. Uh, I just love that they, they were uh, man enough to put their stuff out there and show that. A lot of shows won't do that, and uh, it's disappointing sometimes. I hate it that they don't, because that's the stuff that I love to see. That's the stuff I'm a fan of, because we all can relate there. We've all been there at some point. I mean, if you've hunted a boat, if you've hunted long enough, you've been in similar situations or real close to it, heartbreaks. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just part of the game. It's what drives us so. Yeah, Absolutely. and
2: I, I I made my, uh, my old lady watch the, uh, the Daddy's Gun episode. It's on Carbon TV. I think it's season three. Where Philip takes his dad's gun and his dad's birthday would have been on Easter Sunday this last uh, April of 2017, Um, and he hadn't picked up that gun in 25 years and the struggle and you know you got to watch it and it's the it's the best 20 minutes of hunting television you can ever watch. I made her watch that. It it, it
0: was awesome. I know.
2: I, I. I watch it twice and I teared up at the at the parts that you would think that you could cry at, but I, I made her watch it. You know, just like a week or so ago, and I started crying like immediately. I was like, "Oh, I know what's going to happen,"
0: <laughs> but it's yep, real
2: that, emotion, you know.
0: I know, I love it, and that's what those and you know, and that's what's great about the carbon TV too is we don't ha- they don't have you know six commercials that cut you off right. You, they you know they pull you in, they get you right there, and you're sucked in. Well, a lot of these other shows. I mean, you got six commercials. It's time to lose focus and kind of get pulled away from that moment. They but Carbon TV and the way they do things. Yeah, uh, it's like I episodes. don't want You're like I don't
2: care about a four wheeler. I want to know how this ends. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, it's so <laughs> emotional. What is this Gilmore Girls? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. Oh, I, I guarantee we've all been there, man. It's they they do a good job, but the Clint, you know, Clint's uh, And I told him before, I man, he's a phenomenal, uh, very talented producer. He helps. Um, put that all together and put it in that perspective, too.
2: Clint's a good buddy of ours. We yeah. met him in person at the Iowa Classic.
1: Great dude. We had a good time. But, uh, yeah, the, the Virtue, you can't say, like, that whole crew, man, you can't say enough about them guys. They're awesome. And, like, Philip Vanderpool has, like, a an aura around him when he, like, he's just, he's a legend. Yep. So, but, he gave
2: uh, me a nickname. Do you want to know what it is? What's that? The Realm Man <laughs> with the Square Deals. <laughs>
1: oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> josh oh. what have, what did we miss man did we not cover something that we should have should have <sighs> shout out where can people find you uh
0: yeah, you can find us on um you could find me on all the social media out avenues um instagram that's probably my favorite a little less negative kind of into the photos and stuff like that so that's probably my favorite uh, i get on i get on facebook um uh, i try to stay away from the politics and stuff on there i get sick of that <laughs> but it's a <laughs> But I, I keep an eye on it, and of course I do Twitter and Snapchat and all that, and um, everybody kind of keep an eye out. We're starting just slowly, starting to get um, our shop uh, social media stuff rolling. I think we already got uh, Instagram uh, Shooter Arch- Shooter's Archery Pro Shop. We just started it yesterday, I believe, and uh, we'll start really getting busy with that and starting to promote a lot of things through that here in the near future. But um, yeah, we're pretty. Uh, we do a lot of social media stuff. That's that's what uh, that's what we do. We try to stay active on there as much as we can. So everybody had to follow us on there.
1: Cool. We'll put your uh, handles in the description of the episode. And uh, cool. I think Steve just followed your Instagram. I, I did. Show. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, yeah, man, we really appreciate you doing this and taking time out of your night to talk to us idiots over here at the podcast. So,
0: Dude, anytime guys, man, I, this is what I live for. I mean, sitting around good old boys, just talking, hunting, archery and, and big white tails. I mean, I just, I love it. I'm passionate about it. As you can tell. And Anytime you guys want me back on here or my wife or any of us, um, let us know, man. We'd love to. Same t-
1: thing, man. If you need anything from us, we're just a phone call away. Hey, so.
0: right on, man.
2: Sounds good. I've got one final thing. You're in with cool. the real tree, boys. As you said, I gotta right? know where are the new Michael Pitts videos. I don't know, man. They uh, happened you know, for a while, and I loved them, and I they're not happening anymore. What
1: happened? I
0: got a text. To I, you. I don't know, man. I don't know what. Uh, Pitts is still pretty active with all those guys. I don't know if they got some they got some stuff stored away. They're just saving for a rainy day or what. But uh, I know I'm pretty. I'm like you. I was pretty entertained by that. Oh man, <laughs> they were
2: classic. We had him on for an episode, and we made great friends with him and uh, his uh, his buddy who uh, oh, I can't think of his name. He's got the mustache. The he other was in firefighter, T Yeah, the other firefighter. He was in uh, T Bone's <laughs> episodes. What is his name? I can't remember. Uh, he was at the Iowa Classic too.
0: I don't think I've met him yet.
2: Oh, he's yeah, he's a character and a half. but uh, Dude,
0: P- Pitts is awesome. I mean, we, I was doing, uh, we were down there in spring, uh, turkey season, not this spring, but last spring, and he, they were doing some skits for that YouTube stuff, and, man, I was crying. He had me rolling so much.
1: He is funny. <laughs> we'll call him, he's like, hello, oh, yeah,
0: oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a, yeah, yeah, he's such a good dude. I love Just, that guy. Everyone oh, yeah, real a,
1: tree is is real. It's, yeah, I man, mean, I'm telling you what no those pun. real
0: tree they're they're like they're literally like a family. They're them and the you know like the virtue crew. They're they're very similar. They're all just very what you see is what you get. And they're literally like family. I mean, when you get in with them, they're not just going to let everybody in. But once you're in, um, and they're like family, and they're family forever. It's not a sure. well this year and then something changes. I mean, they're just they're that's very very about. genuine people. Yes, it is. That's what that's what we got into it for. We're not in for the. The rah 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 and the glory of it—we just love it, and we want to be. Uh, we're very passionate about it, and we want to be associated and um, around other people just like it. I mean, it's very contagious, as you can see. I mean, it rubs off. And Absolutely, we love. We well, love it just man. us
1: being on the podcast, man. We're we're not in the the film industry really at all, and we're we made good friends with the boys from the Virtue, and uh-huh. I like text Clint and all of them boys, and just it's what it's all about, man. Common interest and crazy. Yeah, big don't family. don't
2: think we make a lot of money. I had to borrow twelve bucks from Kurt. Today, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> Josh, I right really on.
1: appreciate you, man. Stick stick around on the phone, quick. But uh, anything else, real quick, for we before we sign off?
0: No, man, we're good. Like you said, you could find us uh, on the social media ha- social media handles and um, and then some of our TV platforms. Uh, we do a little bit with obviously the real Tree Outdoor guys, and then uh, where this year we're doing some stuff with uh, Philip and the virtue I think, and then um, a little bit with Larry and uh, respect the game. So. Uh, Hopefully, you'll find us here and there popping up. Um, And other than that, man, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Definitely enjoy the show, and uh, you guys bring a pretty cool uh, different side to things. I like it.
1: Awesome, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast. Check out WorkingClassBowHunter.com, all the episodes, the Camel Collar blog, the store, everything that we do. we got new video sections up there. Check it all out, and you know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you.